Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hi, listeners, and welcome to Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of United States podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Bala Musitz. Uh, Mike, my co-host, is uh, not available this week, so I'm doing uh, this one solo. And uh, like the last episode, uh, we're doing a guest interview today, uh, and that it is with part two of uh, our conversation with Bob Foreman, who's a very accomplished sailor. Uh, veteran of many Newport to Bermuda races and veteran of two uh, transatlantic races as well. So we had a great conversation. Uh, it was long, so I broke it into two episodes. And uh, this is the second half of our conversation. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. Uh, we really uh, had a good time chatting. And I think there's a lot of great information in here. And uh, Bob and I have been uh, emailing back and forth about possibly doing a third uh, episode with him. Um, and uh, we'll see if we'll get that one done or not. Uh, but I think uh, we're, we're trying to schedule it right now. And as always, uh, thanks to you, our listeners. We really appreciate you listening in. If you like the podcast, uh, feel free to send us a note. Uh, we can be reached at uh, Sailing the East. That's all one word, Sailing the East at gmail.com. Always look forward to receiving your comments and suggestions. Uh, and if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, we now have a Patreon page. Uh, you can go to Patreon slash Sailing the East. And uh, if you would like to, you can uh, support the podcast to help defray some of the cost of uh, putting these uh, episodes together. And uh, again, if you like the show, if you like the podcast, uh, share it or uh, tell your friends about it. And uh, let's get into part two of our interview and conversation with Bob Foreman. You know, so most of the passages I've been on have been like three, four, I think the longest one was five days. Right. And, and you can sort of, if you time that, you can pretty much be guaranteed you're not going to get any big storms. You, you might get thunderstorms, but, you know, you can, you can, weather predictions are pretty good for three, right. four or five days. But when you're going for, you know, 18, 19 days, it's a crapshoot, particularly right. in the North Atlantic. Uh, did you guys use a weather router? You were, you were not allowed to use a weather router. Oh. Okay. But we had a satellite phone and we downloaded grip files. Grip files. Okay. Which would tell you, you know, is the weather going to be bad? Yeah. And it's really, the transatlantic is going in the right direction. And it's mostly a downwind race. Yes. So, uh, really, really nice. Really nice. Get so, 
I'm I'm curious. How how did you bring the boat back? Did you then go down down to the trade south to the trade no. winds and bring it back that way? No, she got a she got a ride home. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, on slow to slow to crash, lift on lift off boat. I so got she it. Came, she came home in style, fifteen <laughs> and a half knots all the way. <laughs> so you had her transported back over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. both times. Excuse me. Both on both of the transatlantic uh, races. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. They left Southampton and they dropped the boat off in Portsmouth up up on Narragansett Bay. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Now, I I also heard you mention while we were chatting here that there was a a couple of uh, Halifax races you were in. The Halifax to where? Uh, It's Marblehead to Halifax. Okay. Marblehead to Halifax. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. I've been to Halifax. So I did a passage from. Halifax down to Baltimore. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, did Halifax you, is beautiful. Did you, did you see, did you go aboard the uh, flower class Corvette they have there? No. They were no. flower class Corvettes were like the backbone of the uh, uh, convoy system. And he built seven of them in Canada. That This one was one of those. And it was, if you read Cruel Sea mm-hmm. by Nicholas Montserrat, Compass Rose was a flower class Corvette. I see. And so you, these are these are uh, uh, ships uh, from World War II. Yeah, ship from World War II, right? Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the uh, now, what about talk to me a little bit about the different difference in sort of your mindset as a captain from when you're racing to sort of when you're out for a three or four day cruise. Much more attention to going fast. Yeah, certainly. Picking the right place to be. (laughs) Okay. And it's 24 hours a day. Yeah. But it gets into, you know, after a day or so, it just gets into a rhythm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you you sleep for four hours, you get up for four hours, you go back to, you know, and we, we split the watches so that two people would come up every two hours. So you keep, you maintain a knowledge from one not one watch to the next. Yeah. Or if you have to do a, a sail change every two hours, you have six six people or seven five people on deck, which makes the sail change easier. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and again, back to my sort of cruising versus racing question. I mean, part of that's obvious, right. but where where do you sort of draw the line on speed versus comfort? Um, well, on cruising, what I do is pick a weather window. Yeah. We look for a weather window. And that, that you do, we did use a router for, you know, on the Hinkley 59, which is the one we sailed down to the Caribbean, uh, we used either uh, Commander's Weather or uh, Southwood Bound 2. And you just be sure, particularly when you're going down in November, there's mm-hmm. some pretty intense storms, and but before you get to the Gulf Stream, it's cold, which means the wind has more pressure to it, more yes. force to it. And we had we had one trip where we had to get going to Bermuda, and we watched it for several days, and finally we decided we got to go, and uh, we had to get there was a, a low coming in. And we had to get to Bermuda 
in less than three days. So we went, uh, and we, we caught every, every eddy and every meander on the way down. We, we, came, in, we came in town gut at uh, two o'clock in the morning. And we, when we left the next day at 12 o'clock, it was blowing 50 knots. Wow. So we beat, we beat the strong winds in. And it, the same last, and not last summer, summer in 2019, we sailed up to Maine, then we went to the Bredore Lakes, oh, and then yeah. we came back down to Halifax. And uh, we waited for, like, when we were going to come home, I waited for a weather window, and we went, and we went from Lunenburg, which is an absolutely gorgeous tannis. You think it's like Disney World. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's roughly 500 miles from there to uh, Bay Shore. We did that in 73 hours. Wow. And it was, the winds are always out of some quadrant of the north. So it was more mostly downwind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I did my trip, it was uh, helping a friend bring a boat back. So he had a crew that sailed up to Nova Scotia from Baltimore. Right. Uh, they took several weeks to do that it was sort of their vacation and then right. he needed some help bringing the boat back and we did uh nova scotia uh to marion marion mm -hmm. massachusetts so we basically left nova scotia aimed for boston and and we had a nice weather window it was pretty much a broad reach most of the way down and uh through the canal bopped into marion uh spent a couple of days there waited for a weather window then we went marion to sandy hook uh, through New York City, which was quite an experience. I don't know if you've ever been through the city. I mean, you, well, if you did the round oh, the yeah, island yeah. race, you certainly have. I've, I've got, I've got a, I have a preliminary version of a interesting film. We we knew that there was going to be an intense thunder and lightning storm coming through the city mm. as it as it got dark and then it would be dark, completely dark. And we we came through the city and it was just amazing watching the lightning bounce from building to building. Wow. And we were using GoPro cameras so we could take and slice it because the GoPro does like 29 frames a second. Yeah. Uh, and see what the various parts of a lightning strike are. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That must have been remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about these long passages how how do you how do you sort of manage crew again as captain how do you manage sort of crew nutrition and rest what is this on cruising or racing uh, uh either or both you know we okay. can talk to both. about at uh, two different two different categories yeah yeah um well like when we went up to the Vidora lakes we were gone for five weeks which is you know few people can get five weeks off so i had you know, I, I had uh, one other person and myself took the boat up to Southwest Harbor. Then Tom, you know, Tom got off and uh, three people joined me. Okay. Uh, two daughters and one of my regular racing crew. And we, did, we sailed around Maine. Then they left. And uh, two people, Dennis Powers and Jeff Matera, joined me, and we went. We went from 
Southwest Harbor to Long Island. It's Long Island here. We had lobsters at Hunt's mm -hmm. Dockside Deli. Mm -hmm. And then we went from there up to uh, St. Peter's, which is at the entrance, the, the entrance of the canal into the Bedore Lakes. Then, the, then we sailed around there for two and a half weeks. Uh, I mean, it's just a fat, it's just a fabulous place. I mean, they have their, they have their own uh, Celtic music. Uh, Alexander Graham Bell had a play, place up there. And there's a museum there to Alexander Graham Bell. And I, I, always, I always thought of him, you know, that he invented a telephone, but he was into so many other things, you know, hydrofoils, uh, precursor to cell phones, you know, and on and on. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. That was a brilliant guy. I don't know. Uh, then we did uh, two more, two more people joined me. My daughter joined me and uh, this John Sigler. And uh, we did, we did the Cabot Trail, which is around the northern part of the island, north, north western part. And it's just, just a fabulous trip. It's like it's like the west coast of the United States. Mm -hmm. And then uh, three, two of the people got off then after that, and they went home. And then that that group uh, were with me to the end. Yeah. yeah. So we, we just have you know crew meeting us, you know, uh, and it it worked out well. Uh, when we were in Bedeck, uh, two of them are rented a car, rented a van, yes, in Halifax, and then drove up. We did the Cabot Trail, and then two of them left and took the car back to the airport in Halifax. So yeah, it works out like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, <clears throat> and and so how did you? What type of uh, uh, shift? Uh, what kind of watch schedule did you have on those trips with, with, on those cruises? Uh, on a, when we're cruising, it's like four on four off. Okay. And when we're racing, it's basically four on and four off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it sounds like typically on your cruises, you'd, you'd have two, a total of three or four people on the boat. Yeah. Usually, or, or sometimes I do it myself and one other. Yes. Or sometimes I do it by myself. <laughs> yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about solo sailing. So I've, I've, I've delved into that a little bit, uh, last couple of years. Uh, I, I haven't done any overnights or anything like that, but just sort of, you know, coastal cruising by myself, uh, just to sort of, I find it's a great way to sort of hone your own skills right, and, right. and sort of hone planning and thinking right. ahead. <laughs> right. uh, and, uh, have you done overnight passages solo or, or, or or just day sales? Uh, just the longest one I've done is from uh, Bay Shore to Block Island. Oh, okay. I started early in the morning and I was there when it got, you know, it had gotten dark. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I always find that coastal cruising, you know, if you're within a few miles of shore, there's all sorts of stuff to hit. Yeah. <laughs> there's other boats, oh, yeah. and you got to pay attention all the time. 
right. when you're 10, 20, 30 miles offshore, you can, you can yeah, you can bop below into the cabin to, you know, take yeah. a, go to the bathroom or make a sandwich or something. Right, right. right. So it, it really yeah. is, I find it much more stressful to be uh, coastal cruising than sort of, you know, 20, 30 miles offshore. Yeah. The autopilot is the greatest invention for sailing. Mm, it sure is. Yeah. It's sure greatest is. invention. Yeah. Yeah. It sure is. Uh, what other things? What other things uh, should we talk about that I haven't asked you? Uh, what we see out there, like when you when you do a transatlantic, you go way, you do a Bermuda race, you get offshore, and uh, it's just a different thing. I mean, uh, first off, the sky, there's no light out there. So the stars just hang there. The, the night sky is just unbelievable. Right. It's the only way I can describe it. Right. Um, the the uh, wildlife out there, you know, between whales, dolphins, you know, uh, turtles, sunfish, seagulls, other type of birds. I mean, it's... It, it's really, it's really a, a, a great experience. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, and it's, a, you know, it's a challenge too. I mean, in, in racing, you, you know, you don't have the use of a router, so you, you're on your own and you got to figure out how, how, what the systems are going to come in and when are they going to come in. Yeah. And at, at night, we've had some beautiful bioephorists. Mm, yeah, we saw some, I've seen some of that too. Oh. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I, I don't know if the new I, iPhones that have some good low light capability, we could have filmed them, but we had a, a couple of really significant ones. Hmm. Uh, one was up off of uh, Newfoundland and it, the uh, dolphins are just racing around and racing around and they were creating these blue streaks in the water, you know. Uh, we had another one coming back from Bermuda, where we had a significant amount of wind. And I say significant, it was, it was really only 25, 30 knots. So we had a lot of little waves. And it, we had, there was a whole line of thunderstorms that were coming in. And you could look and see that. And then it looked like they had, in each of these wavelets, it looked like somebody had a lantern under there. Wow. And probably some bioefflorescence. Bio and it's just no matter where you looked, you know, these all these little wavelets had these uh, it looked like a lamp underneath them, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 really is sort of remarkable how how much life there is in the ocean. Right. Even out, you know, several hundred miles offshore, you go like, what what the heck is that dolphin doing out here? There's nothing around here for miles and miles. Yeah. Or you see a bird, right? And you go, oh my gosh, that guy's yeah. been flying for a long time. Yeah. I mean, we've got some great pictures of whales. I bet. Yeah. Great pictures of whales. Yeah. In, a, in the movie I made of uh, the, the main Nova Scotia, Fedora Lakes, I've included a whole sequence of whales in there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, are, are these movies available for public consumption or? 
Yeah. Is, is that maybe in the future? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should I'm put a, you, should, you uh, should put them up on YouTube. Well, I did, and the problem was that we we used some of the some of the music we used uh, was copyrighted, so it was up for about yeah. six weeks, and they didn't take it all off. They just took the sound off, which just takes too yeah. much out of the movie. Like the, you know, the movies. Yeah. Like the movies have seven tracks, you know, two of which are, are music. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, let me see. The did, did you have, given all of this uh, sailing experience you have and, and these long passages, did you did you get any training and in, in, or take any courses in weather forecasting? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what? How, tell me about that a little bit. I I, I sort of am not familiar just, with what's I took, available. I took one one course in weather forecasting. I read a lot. And a lot of it was on the job. Okay. Figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Like that's why I use it, the Hinkley 59, Roberta. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I use that as my test platform. And that's where I tried out various software and uh, got familiar with it. Okay. And then it, from there, I would use it for racing. So is this software you developed or, or this is no, commercially no. available software that you would learn the how main, to use on that boat? The, the main one that I use, well, I took, I took my own laptop on that boat. Uh, the, main, the main one I used was Expedition. Was, Got it. It was developed by Nick White, who's from New Zealand, yep. who's done several Volvo races, around the world Volvo races as navigator. Guy is brilliant. You know, and he'll email a question or something and... Uh, he comes right back, you know, comes back shortly with the answer. Yeah. And then he even took some of the stuff that I had developed and incorporated that into Expedition. Like uh, Expedition didn't handle the cruising situation where you, you got a motor sale. Mm. So I took and converted it so that it did that. And then Nick went and picked that up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so let me ask you a question. If, if someone, let's say, is a sailor right. uh, and, and they haven't done a lot of racing, uh, but, but they're thinking about, gee, maybe that sounds like fun. I'd, I'd like to try my hand at that. Right. Uh, what, would, what would you recommend, the, uh, what would a recommended path be for, for sort of getting into that? Well, um, in 1992, we took the fellow that did the cooking for us. Okay, and also stood watch. He had never sailed before. And I took him out on the Great South Bay one afternoon and we sailed for like four or five hours. And uh, his, Kenny had a great time. He did a good job cooking and uh, we, had a mic we had a micro gale and it, it blew from like uh, nine o'clock or eight o'clock at night, probably eight o'clock at night through about six in the morning. And we had winds that were probably like 45, 40 to 45. I mean, the boat was flying. You know, we were just on the right point of sail. Uh, uh, and then it died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As often happens, you have the vacuum behind it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like so, mon by Monday morning, we were just 100 miles from Bermuda. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that find a person, find a person with a boat who races the boat, and see if you can get on get on the crew with them. Most most of most of the crew that I have on a, the transatlantic races or the other races we did, most most of them were one design sailors. Mm -hmm. You know, they started off at the local yacht club taking lessons, then they did some one design. All right. You know, some of the, you know, some of them weren't, I mean, some of them weren't, but they, they had experience and uh, particularly early on when we were doing the round Long Island races, a lot, a lot of them were just friends and they, they came in, but they fit in, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It is amazing. You know, even on, on Narragansett Bay where my boat is, uh, I don't know. I can't remember if it's Wednesday night or Thursday night. Or, or it might be both those nights. Every night, there's a bunch of boats out there right. racing around the buoys. Right. And uh, oftentimes, uh, those folks are looking for crew. Right. And uh, I think that's it's a good way to learn. It's, it's a great way, to, great way to learn. Great way to learn. Yeah, it's a great way to learn and get some experience. And then, right. you know, you go from the, the Wednesday night or Thursday night races to the right. Saturday, Sunday race to, mm -hmm. you know, some longer passages and stuff right. and kind of work up that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you think about sort of, you know, knowing how to trim sails, knowing how to steer, knowing how to cook, uh, knowing mm -hmm. how to be a Mr. Fix-It everything, uh, which sort of skill, if someone was going to hone a skill and be really good at it, because they wanted to be crew on sort of a, you know, a longer, a longer ocean race, which skill would, would you suggest they honed? Depends on what they, their basic skills are and what they like to do. You know, if you get somebody that's a good cook, yeah, you know, and they have a little bit of sailing knowledge, <coughs> bless you. Uh, or if you have somebody that knows something about diesel engines, yes, and some of the, you know, water maker or you know things like that, that's a good way to get on. Because uh, when you put a crew together, you try and have the right mix of skills, you know, mm -hmm. not the, not only the, the right set of personalities to get along, but the right, right set of skills. Yeah. You know, like my, my daughter was in the, is, was in the culinary field for a long time. Uh, and she, she did all like for the transatlantic races, she did all the provisioning. Oh, nice. You know, and I don't know, she 700 some, some odd meals. Yeah. <laughs> And it, and you got to get it. And she had a catalog. Everything was like cataloged as to where it was. And so she knew knew where everything was. We did. Uh, she did a six day rotation. So every six day, you you go through, what you know, six different varieties. Yes. And then you just start over again. Yes. Because prior to the race. What I did is I got 10 years worth of information from Commander's Weather grid files uh -huh. and simulated as to what I was going to see, mm. both on wind speeds, wave height, uh, temperature, rain, and things like that. Okay. Um, she she took each rotation and put it in put it in bins. And marked all the bins and had a list of where all the bins were on the boat. 
okay? I mean, we ate like kings, you know, we ate. Yeah, yeah. And it's like one third freeze-dried, but she always doctored this freeze-dried food. So it wasn't like another type of dog food. Uh, we had casseroles, you know, like lasagna, beef stew. And then we had pre-prepared, like uh, spaghetti, spaghetti and meatballs. Yeah. Things like that. Okay. Well, nutrition is really important, just yeah. physio physiologically, but yeah. it's also important for your head. <laughs> really, again, yeah. you know, safety, have fun. Yeah. And uh, go fast. Uh, be competitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we we always a lot of times we had an ice cream. Oh wow. Yeah. Although we. I found out that gelato is better than ice cream because it has a higher freezing temperature. Ah. Uh, yeah. You can, it's difficult. You know, it's it, it's hard to get the uh, shipboard refrigerator down or freezer down below, right. much below 23. Yeah. 23. So let's let's talk about power. That reminds me. Let's talk about power a little bit. What kind of what kind of uh, power did you have on 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 those trips on your Hinkley? Uh, we had a, a 50 horsepower Yanmar, great, great, great engine. Yeah. And we, we'd run that based on the, what the voltage was on the battery. So you chart, you charge the batteries from the engine. You didn't have a separate right. generator. I didn't, I didn't have an alternator. Oh, excuse me. I didn't have a generator. Yeah. 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 But we, you know, we'd look at, we'd watch the voltage when the voltage has got down to like 12.1. Yeah. We'd turn it on. Uh, Build the back, build the bat batteries back up. Make water, right? Uh, and then shut the engine off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably water. The water maker is the thing that probably burns up a lot of amps, huh? Not really. Only, you know, I changed all the lighting on the boat, and yeah. I saved, I saved about nine amp hours yeah. doing that. And the water maker. About the same nine, oh, really? nine amp hours. Yeah, hmm. yeah, they're pretty efficient, and that and that would make about seven gallons an hour. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and you have seven we, people we, on board, so you need a lot of lot we, of water. We, and it, it it would make seven, and we'd use about seven. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. You know, as a rule of thumb, it's we found that it everybody drinks, you know, between the food that's prepared for them. And what they drink, and you want to you want to have everybody to be hydrated. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they use about a gallon a day. Yeah. So seven people, seven gallons. Yeah. 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 Oh, excellent. Well, Bob, you just have this great wealth of experience. <laughs> so you you it's you're doing fun. it. I, I know you you said you sold your boat right. about a year ago. You're still doing any sailing? Any sailboats still in the family? No sailboats in the family. Well, we got. My son's got a little boat when I go when I go down to the Outer Banks, uh -huh. go sailing on that. But uh, I don't have any boats now. Uh, yeah. And I, friends have boats; they go sailing with them. Very nice. Uh, like I, uh, I had three members of my cr crew who got their own boats after I stopped racing. Yeah. And I work with one of them in the uh, last Newport Bermuda race. Oh, didn't go nice. on the boat, but I worked with them figuring out where to go and what it was going to be like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that, that makes me think of another question. So we talked about your daughter and, you know, her skills or culinary skills and, yeah. and the amount of effort it went into, you know, number right. of meals for seven people for 20 days or whatever. Well, my, uh, my son, but I didn't talk about my son. Okay. He is an excellent, excellent sailor. And he can, he can smell wind. <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, I said, hey, Dad, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, the wind's going to go northwest or whatever. And he, he got into sailing like when he was about eight years old. Yeah. Actually got into sailing before that. He went sailing the first time when he was uh, 15 months old. You know, my daughter went sailing the first time uh, when she was five weeks old. Yeah. Just my wife Jackie didn't want her going on a boat until she had been baptized. Yeah. <laughs> but like uh, my my son's business is built around uh, kiteboarding and surfing, so he's he's really into it. I mean he's a yeah. he's the largest employer on the Outer Banks. Wow. He he puts about five thousand students through the school each year. He's he's got a a, a restaurant, which is one of the best on the Outer Banks. He's got a, a store, which is about 50 by 130 and goes up two stories and sells all high end. Anything you want to buy about for surfing or kiteboarding, he's got there. Wow. Plus high end stuff like uh, bikinis, you know, uh, wetsuits, uh, GoPro cameras, sunglasses, it's, you know, it goes on and on. Yeah. So let's let's give your son a plug here. What's the name of the store and what's the name of the restaurant? Real kiteboarding. Real real R E A L? R E L No, no, excuse me. Real water sports. Got it. He changed he changed the name when he expanded into surfing. Okay. Okay. Uh the restaurant is Waterman's Bar and Grill. And these are both in the outer banks, you said. And what's the closest like, town? He's got like a boutique sports hotel. Oh, wow. Yeah. Plus, he's got a lot of rental properties down there. So he's quite the entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a that's a pretty good accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So uh, the, thing, the question I want to ask you was when you get ready to do one of these, let's say the transatlantic race. Mm hmm. What goes into the boat prep? What 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 sort of you know? Because that's the captain's responsibility, primary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it just must be overwhelming all the things you have to do. Well, let's start back at the beginning. Yeah, I wasn't intending to do a transatlantic race, although I had that in the back of my head. Maybe some day I'd like to do it. Uh, and we were down in Bermuda after one of the uh, Newport Bermuda races, and. I went to breakfast, sitting outside, enjoying the sun. Uh, my wife slept in, and his friend uh, Jack Kaminsky was there at another table. We got chatting, and he he raced for raced with Larry Huntington, who's a great 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 sailor. Uh, and he said we they he talked about he and Larry were going to going to do a transatlantic race. And it was a 2011 race. So then I spent three months researching, you know, 
what are all the bad things that happen to people in a transatlantic race? You know, split sails, broken goosenecks, uh, you know, people getting injured, and also researched what the weather would be like, how cold is it going to be, how cold is the water going to be. Did very got the uh, grip files from Commander's Weather. Did a lot of simulation of how long it was going to take. You know, and each thing gave me a little more information as to what I was going to do because I found out that, you know, it was going to take 18 or 19 days, and that's where we came up with a six-day rotation. Okay, uh, the temperatures are going to be, you know, you're going to get some temperatures down in the in the 40s, which is pretty cold. When you're out in the out in the ocean, sure. Uh, so that that really determined what the, the uh, what everybody could bring as far as clothes, you know. And it, you know, lightness is god godliness. You know, the lighter you can make the boat, the better it is. And if you get seven people on a forty-two foot boat, you don't have a lot of extra room. Right. Right. So, I mean, every. Everybody was allowed two pairs of skivvies, okay? One pair they left they left the dock with, and then at, at the midway point, <laughs> they, they put the second pair on. <laughs> uh, uh, we we got like the top of the I got like the, the top of the line foul weather gear, all right, for everybody, and then we worked on the, how many layers you should have. Yeah. You know, uh, what type of hat you should have. So everything was very, you know, you try and get it as organized as possible. You, everything comes down to a list, you know, yes. an Excel, Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, don't leave stuff to chance. Yeah. So uh, now let's go back to what was your original question? So anyway, by, by, by September, it took me three months to do that. Yes. By September, I, I was ready to make a commitment. Uh, yeah. And uh, re remind me what time of year this race takes place from Newport to south, oh, south shore like of England. the end of June. One, end of June. The, I think the 2011 started at June 26th and the 2015 started on uh, uh, June 28th. So yeah. So time, which is a, which is a, you know, if you're going to have nice weather coming across, that's as good a time as any. Yeah. And yeah. The, the interesting thing about it is it's mostly downwind. So you, you wind up carrying a spinnaker sometime for days. You know, like Larry Huntington in one of his races, he carried it for 17 days without taking wow. it down. Wow, that's <laughs> remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Bob, we've been, we've been chatting here for over an hour. So uh, uh, I really appreciate you, you, you taking the time to chat with me and being on the podcast. Um, I really do appreciate it. It yeah. was really great to catch up with you again and see you again. Okay. It's been fun. Yeah. Been yeah. Fun. How'd you uh, like the movies? Uh, you say movies. You sent me the articles. Articles, rather. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, they were good. I, yeah. I, 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 read, I read over them, and they were well-written, and, and they were quite informative about sort of what you encountered and the challenges and stuff. Yeah. Mm. So I, I I found them to be to be quite good. I should send you a copy, you know, of the book, the movies. 
Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, just send me the link and. Uh... There's no link. I'll send you. I'll just send you a flash drive. Oh, okay. That works. That works just as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, super, Bob. Great to see you. Okay. Uh, I wish you the best, and yeah. uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Okay. Thanks, Baylor. Yep. Take care. Bye, bye, Bob. Will I get a copy of the podcast? Yes. So yeah. uh, I will. I'll zip you so, off. What do you What do you do from that? You know. Uh, uh, what, ask that your, question what, again. What do you do from here on out to make the thing so yeah. that it's reasonable? So, so what I what I'll probably do with this one since it's it's pretty long. I'll break it into two episodes because uh, I like to keep the episodes twenty to thirty minutes in length. Mm -hmm. I'll split it into two, and then uh, I have a co-host uh, who's a who's a other former professor. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, he lives in Germany and knows nothing about sailing because we, we, we actually do this other podcast. We started another podcast years ago about entrepreneurship right. that he and I do. And then a number of years ago, we started this additional podcast about sailing. So he and I will do a little bit of commentary in the beginning and as a summary at the end of each episode. So we'll have to record that. Right. Uh, and then I'll, I'll issue I'll, they'll come out and. I will send you the links when they come out. My, I, my guess is the first episode will be out in maybe a week or two. All right. And and then the other episode will be two weeks after that one. Okay. Yeah. And I yeah. will make sure I email yeah. you that information. I, I had a, I had a group of guys that we ran at a president's roundtable, uh -huh. which is really an interesting experience. Uh, there was 10 of us. We all had started computer companies. Yes. You know, uh, some in the, like in the software area, some in the hardware area. And we would get together twice or three times a year. Yeah. Twice when twice a year when the, the uh, trade association met. And then when we would go away for a, for a week with the wives to a nice place. Yes. And we'd have business meetings every day. And in the business meeting, Every everybody had a chance in the barrel, and you would go over your company, what was happening, what were your opportunities, what were your problems. Yeah, yeah. And everybody else would chime in and say, "Well, you think about this, or you think about that, or you shouldn't do this, or you shouldn't do that." And it, if you look at one incident in the whole thing that really turned something, turned a big thing around. Uh, one of the members, John Keane, had Keane Associates, very much similar to my company. Only he, he had started a lot earlier, and it was really he had a home absolute home run. And he he got up, and at that that was the first time that his company had lost uh, had lost money. And he was thinking about taking the company company private. Yeah. The market cap had gone down to four million dollars. Um, and he went on and on about that. And then his other member, Larry Schoenberg, who had a company called AGS, said, "John, you got to get serious. Do you have a hobby or a company?" And went on from there. John went home, and. Uh, Turned the company right around, and you know, the Wall Street Journal has a, 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 an article every year 
I mean, uh, which company provided the best stockholder return yes. for like three, five, and 10 years? John won the 10 year award. Wow. Yeah. He took it from 4 million to 4 billion. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those, those uh, presidential roundtables, uh, they have various different names for them. Uh, there, there's a fair number of those around, you know, some more formal and others less formal. And, oh. and I think uh, Bill Stitt and I used to do one uh, back at RPI for some of the incubator companies. We'd uh, once a month, we'd go out to dinner and we'd invite three or four, you know, founders of incubator companies. Yeah. And, and it was a good guy. I liked him. Yeah. Take them out to dinner and um, have a nice conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was so, an interesting experience there. Yeah. You know, yeah, Stu and I worked, you know, for I don't know how many years on that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was on the board of uh, Orca. Yep, that's right. Yeah, the jacket. Yeah, which it's a tragedy. Yeah, uh, CC left. Yes. And Pharma left, which left Jeff in charge, and Jeff was not the right guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not the right guy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Bob. All right. Thanks again. I'll uh, I'll keep you posted, and uh, I look forward to getting the movies from you. Okay. All right. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye so, listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Bob Foreman uh, as much as I did. Uh, it was great to catch up with him, and he certainly is an accomplished sailor uh, who's had lots of experiences and done lots of racing. Uh, at the amateur level, but still at a pretty high level of amateur racing uh, and has done lots of cruising around the east coast of the United States, particularly in sort of the northern parts of uh, New England. So uh, it was really great to see him again and to have that conversation with him. Hope you enjoyed it. So listeners, uh, thanks again for joining us uh, on another episode of Sailing and Cruising the East. Uh, we hope you found the conversation interesting and thought-provoking maybe even a little bit. Uh, if you have questions about what we've discussed uh, or you have suggestions, uh, please uh, send, drop us an email. We can be reached at sailingtheeast, that's all one word, sailingtheeast at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, hey, hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, and if you know of someone else that would be a good guest, uh, drop us an email and let us know. I'll reach out to him and see if we can get him as a guest on the show. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you all soon.